This is Stephanie Hansen, and you are listening to The Makers of Minnesota, where we talk to cool people doing cool things. And we happen to be broadcasting today with Sarah Schultz, and Sarah Schultz is a designer. Her company is sarahschultz.co. She's also a serial entrepreneur, which many entrepreneurs are that we talk to on this program. She has a partnership with a woman named Rachel Seifert, and they have the Mary Hour. And they also have, um, no, she alone has a company that is called This Femme. And Sarah, I first met you, I think, I don't even know where I first met you, like a networking event or something. No, I stalked you on Instagram. That's how I met you, That's right? That's so funny. That's so funny. Well, we actually go back a little further than that when you had prints. Okay, so that's right. Yep. You would print with my printing I printed, company, prints. You got it. And then I remembered um, you just had a really cool Instagram vibe. And this was in the early days of Instagram, I feel like, <laughs> when you could still like, hey, you're an Instagrammer. That's cool. Like, let's hook up. So we had coffee. We sure did. And then you told me that you'd use prints. And I think I remembered um, because we had your wedding invitations. Yep, you got it. And I just remembered feeling so kind of moved by you and inspired by you just as a human and kind of the work that you were doing. So I've always wanted to podcast with you. And you said this is the first time you've ever podcasted. Never podcasted before. That seems crazy (laughs) because I feel like your Instagram is almost like a podcast. Well, thank you. I definitely love telling stories. So this is fun and feels fairly natural for me to chit chat. How did you... So... How did you, were you, was graphic design, like, did you go to school for graphic design and this is what you were going to do? No, I went to school for design management. So I did study a lot of different types of design, Um, but my degree was really cool because it was a beautiful blend of actually creating tangible goods and learning about design theory, color theory, and also some business business and leadership skills. Obviously that all together has created a nice, very interesting start to being a serial entrepreneur, like you said. And I can apply to lots of different things. Did you know? right away that you were going to be an entrepreneur or did you think you'd like work for a graphic design company like what were you thinking in your mind since I was little I have probably started in my head dozens of different businesses (laughs) always something I was interested in doing I just didn't know exactly what that was going to look like and how I was going to get there but yes being running my own business being an entrepreneur that kind of weird spirit that a lot of entrepreneurs have has definitely lived within me since I was a very young girl and you have been a traveler so right away did you know you weren't going to do like the traditional nine to five sitting at a desk for eight hours job yeah I I did that for about five years and the entire tenure I was just thinking how am I going to not continue doing this what will that look like for me and when you left that and you decided to go out on your own, did you know right away, I'm going to do my own graphic design business? Um, No, that kind of fell into my lap. So as I was getting ready to get married, I designed our wedding stationery, and that was in 2013. And I had it up in my cubicle at work, and people would just stop by and say, oh my gosh, these are beautiful. Who, Where did you order those from? I said, oh, I made them. And slowly orders just started rolling in. Can you make my wedding stationery? Can you make this whatever other project they had going on, birthday parties or some logo work at that time? And as I was transitioning to leave my corporate career, I still had people emailing me asking for more creative work projects. And that's when I was heavily printing with you. Yeah. 
And um, it wasn't something specifically I had thought I would do. It just evolved and I loved it. And I thought, okay, this is the start of what you knew was going to be. Just didn't look exactly how I had thought it would look. So I have to just say something out loud here that I know I shouldn't, but dealing with brides is very challenging. (laughs) It's so challenging. Like, you know, being in the printing business and their wedding invitations and their programs and their stuff. It felt like you were curing cancer for them every day. Like it's yes. their biggest day of their life. There's no room for air. That's a pretty stressful business. Did you stay in that lane? No. <laughs> <laughs> it worked really well when my girlfriends and I were at that stage of our life because at that point, that was my life. It did feel sure. like it was everything, right? Like I definitely had some Bridezilla moments myself, so I could relate to my clients on that front. And then as I started getting out of that phase of my life, um, and also I was doing most of my stationary design while we were traveling. So you had said that I was a traveler. My husband and I spent about two and a half years away from the United States, all over other parts of the world. And so I was constantly like looking for a signal, holding my computer up from obscure islands and wherever, trying to upload files for printing. Because like you said, this is everything to these clients. Um, So when I kind of got out of that phase of my life, I had some bridal clients reach back out and say, hey, you know, I'm starting a business. Do you do logo work? Well, it's funny. So you evolved with their life. Totally. And it felt super natural to me because at that point we were getting ready to come back home full time. And I knew I didn't want to go back to a traditional nine to five job. And um, I just fell in love with that, like I mentioned earlier, kind of that wild spirit of an entrepreneur. And it was addicting to me. And I wanted to spend more time in that space. And out of the like crazy chaos of the of the wedding industry. Can I ask you a little bit about what it was like to live abroad for two and a half years and still work? So were you getting clients that were paying you through the internet? Did you miss a beat or did you feel like you really could like run a business mobily? It was the best we weren't planning to work. So there was no pressure or any expectation as far as measuring success went, as far as bringing money in. So the pressure was so low for us, for me specifically. Yeah. So it was like, if it worked out great, it was the perfect, in my opinion, for me, it was the perfect way for me to get started. Pulled some of the fear out. Running your own business is full of fear. I mean, it's scary to just go out there and be on your own and constantly be vulnerable. And it's not as stable as a job where you get a paycheck every two weeks. And right. So there definitely is a lot of fear in that space. But it worked so beautifully for me to just alleviate all of that stress and expectation and just let it be fun and explore. I always had a client the entire time we were gone, at least one client. Definitely super stressful. I would not necessarily recommend coordinating tangible goods yeah. while you're abroad. I had you know, a lot of help from friends and family back home to do proof prints and check and make sure the colors were right and matching envelopes with ink colors. Um, but it did teach me that that is 100% a realistic and tangible goal that I would love to be able to do again one and day. And to get back to it. Absolutely. Okay. So I'm assuming now, cause you're graphic designing things for businesses like logos and I don't know, does anybody even use letterhead anymore? They probably <laughs> everyone, have a everyone's digital while, I do, letterhead. Yep, I do a letterhead. And then do you do web development too and web design? Yeah. So, so my, my most common package right now is 
a brand design package that includes all of those digital assets that create a visual brand for a business. So we're talking colors, fonts, all of the logo marks needed to support your brand. And then from there, we create a website that helps you really showcase. That's like your home for getting people in the door. And then what people I think don't realize, because I certainly didn't, is that design of a website is typically different than the back end components of how that website works. Totally. You, most people don't do both. That's right. And so then you have to partner up or recommend somebody that you feel like has the expertise and can, frankly, sometimes these tech folks, it's hard to get them to just talk the language of regular folks. Totally. So then you have to like get that vision that you've communicated with the client that everybody's agreed to, then onto a canvas that works digitally was that challenging for you to figure out who that who those partners would be or how that would all work? Because in my experience, you could have a great design, but if it didn't function, it wasn't a good design. Totally. That's something that is always um, that will always be top of mind as I continue to work with clients because client needs evolve and change and industry standards evolve and change and what the consumer wants evolves and changes all the time. And so when I'm looking at working with vendor partners or a coder that's going to help build the back end of a website or somebody that helps with SEO or somebody that is a fantastic copywriter, to me, agility is really, really important and being resilient and adaptable to be able to shift as the environment we're working in shifts versus, you know, tenured expertise. It's a little bit different in this digital age where new is not new enough and there's always some cool new widget or gadget or plug-in or whatever feature that you need on your website. And things change so much. Like I had a custom interface built for me for Instagram workflow with my website that I loved. And then one day it just stopped being supported by anybody and it was a different widget and that widget didn't look the same. You know, I had no idea what I was doing and people were asking me like, well, do you want this widget or that widget? I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Right. Yeah. I have no idea. The really cool thing about the web space right now is a vast majority, I would say of people who need a web presence will probably be fine on a much simpler drag and drop platform. So I'm talking like a Wix or a Squarespace, something that I can come in and I'll do the design and build, use um, CSS and some HTML to customize and make it feel completely unique. But then the client can help themselves if they want to change a picture, if they want to change some copy. They're not always handholding me. They're not always handholding a coder. That gets super, super expensive. Now, not every client will that work for. Some clients definitely need something a little more heavy duty, um, but most people need a lot less sophistication than what they think they need. Yeah. And do you, so some of the people in this space are needing shopping carts too. Yeah. So Shopify, are you setting people up with those types of sites? Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So that answers that question. So you're evolving. Now are you doing, I'm just curious if you're doing baby announcements. Um, you know, <laughs> cause it seems I, like that would come next, uh, you know, not my personal baby announcement. Um, but I always, you know, I'm always open to a really rad project. If the, if the fit feels right, I'm game. What does a typical, you mentioned like your typical design client is getting a basic website, basic brand identity. What does a package like that typically cost? Yeah. So brand identity packages start at $7,500. And typically I like to invest at least three to four months with these clients. So we're really doing a a long time. What are you doing all that time? It's a lot to actually create 
One, on my end, creating the assets, but two, the client needs to really save space for themselves to think, what do I want? What am I trying to embody? Who am I talking to? So we take a lot of time in exploration and really making sure, one, they know what they want, and two, we're able to create that look and feel so that their ideal clients are captivated and they're just ready to work with that with that business. Do you find that your price point is pretty middle of the road and so you're attracting the right type of client too? Because I think sometimes if you're too expensive, you're not working with the clients you want. But if you're too cheap, right. then you're not working with the clients you want. Like, totally. Has it taken you some time to get to your sweet spot? Yeah. Um, it's really interesting because I tend to love working with fellow small business owners, women-owned businesses, and $7,500 for them is a huge investment. It is in, a lot. It's a lot of money to get your business up and running, especially if you're in the early stages. There's so many things that you need to pay for. But I did definitely learn the hard way that you start to curate clients, maybe that you're not passionate about if your price point doesn't reflect not only your end result, but the service and experience you're providing as well. So I do tease that there are plenty of paper you know, clients that I don't necessarily showcase that I did that work. And what ultimately ends up happening, because I was pricing myself so dirt cheap, I just wanted the work. I right. wanted people to hire me and I wanted, you know, quote unquote, portfolio building work. Sure. So you offer it for nothing. Well, what ends up happening is people that don't value you or your time or your expertise show up at your door. And oftentimes in my experience, our design visions didn't align at all. And so I was either, you know, they're being, I was being asked to duplicate something else, not cool, not happening. If you want that, you should just go pay for that. Yeah. Um, or fit in a design style that didn't feel like it was mine. And so slowly as I started to increase my prices, the right people came knocking and they start sharing with more of the right people. Hey, Sarah's experience was fantastic and she's worth every penny. That is a really good lesson for people about pricing. Cause I think it's hard to know how to price oh my your gosh. services, particularly when you're not like buying a widget, you totally. know, you're buying time, you're buying expertise and everybody wants that for free if they can get it yep. for free. Right. Right. Everybody's scrappy, small business people. Right. Totally. But sometimes you do get what you pay for and not everybody's services are the same. A hundred percent. And I think that's one of the kind of teaching and training moments to share with clients is really help them understand, okay, what are you getting? This isn't just, you know, some Fiverr logo that you bought for $20. We're talking about hundreds of files that you get to use completely however you want at your discretion when we're done working together for really bringing your brand to life. Which sounds so fun. It makes it's me want to so, rebrand. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so much fun. I I just got an email today. Um, we're doing kind of a quick little Spitfire project, or quick fire projects, excuse me, for a client that needed uh, just a few of their assets earlier than my normal timeline process would be. And I'm always flexible if I can be, if my time allows. And um, I whipped up their color theory and some basic concepts. And and they're, they're going to go with a few of these things that we shared just to get started for a conference. And I just got this awesome email that said, we are so excited to work with you. And thank oh, you for nice. bringing this to life. And that just, if I get to have a piece of someone's dream, that just, oh my gosh, I get goosebumps from head to toe. I absolutely love being just a little slice of that. Um, Moving their business yeah, ideas forward. Totally. So then you started the Merry Hour with mm -hmm. Rachel. And yeah. what is that? And why did you start it? The Merry Hour is just the most magical space for mostly women. We've had a handful of men, but we definitely target women and seem to, you know, curate a group of women 
to come together and talk about those big dreams that can sometimes seem so lofty um, and just make sure that we have a support system to get after it. So at the end of the day, it's a networking event. But what we're so proud of, is this kind of like no BS networking. We're not here hair flipping and talking about how fantastic our lives are, how we nailed this amazing client and blah, blah, blah. We talk about the really hard stuff. Like, oh, how to get paid, how to get paid, how to get up in the morning when you're working from home and you just feel like I can't do this today or I suck. Or, oh, my God, I'm going to call my old boss and see if I can get my job back. Like, yeah, or I have a, uh, I have to buy my medical insurance. Ex- Who even knew ex- it was going to be this much? Exactly. All of those like totally insane things um, that a lot of people don't talk about. It just seems like this really glamorous lifestyle or maybe not glamorous, but like, you know, I work from home and I can take a I can come podcast in the middle of the day if I want to and I can grab lunch with someone else. And these things that are a little bit different from corporate America seem really sexy and fun, but it's a very isolated, lonely place. And do you find too, like I work, I mean, I don't have to work like a 40 hour work week. So now I'm working 75 hours. Like what am boundaries? It's just, I don't have any. It's, it's I'm so working all the time, weird hours. Yes, the time is stop my own. Stop doing that. <laughs> I just don't know how. It's kind hard. Of. It's really hard. It's those kind of goofy things that pop up that you didn't learn in school. Your old boss probably didn't teach you if you had a more traditional career path before being an entrepreneur. Those are the conversations we have and we support each other through that. Like, And I'm not disciplined. Right. And the, oh my gosh, neither am I. And I'm not a routine driven person. So like, how the heck am I supposed to get stuff done? No one's telling me. No one's saying this by this by this. Like right. I have to create that it's myself. It's all self-motivation and no one's checking in with you no along the way. In. So. You procrastinate till all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, right. I have and then, this massive project I, due tomorrow. Yep. That's really it. And that can be hard. And obviously a lot of that is, you know, self-driven too, but how can you find a community and a network to ensure that, that you're understood? Like my spouse doesn't understand that. He, he just doesn't get that. And that's okay. He can support You're probably other not ways. the same kind of person. No, we're like very different. Yeah. We're my spouse different. doesn't get it either. He's like, I, why are you working? Right. Like, you don't have to work. I'm like, like, yes, I do. I need purpose. That's why I'm working. Or, you know, he's up and out the door by 630. And if I don't, if I'm not at the gym, I don't, what am I going to do? Roll from my bed at 630 and sit at my desk at 632? Like, I don't need to start working at 632 in the morning, but that doesn't mean I'm not bringing value or I'm not working hard. So it's just, um, you know, really the Mary Hour was built out of selfish need. Rachel and I both felt a gap in our support systems and we couldn't quite find a networking event that we felt talked about less tactical skills. Like I didn't need to learn how to curate my Instagram feed. I didn't need to learn like those things. I was like, I'll figure that out. I need somebody to be like, Sarah, you got this, right? You got this. And, and a place where I could encourage others to do the same. And how often does the Mary hour meet? But every six to eight weeks, we have a total of about six events a year. Um, is it a paid membership or do you no pay membership, to come but to is a paid ticket? Yep. It's $75 a ticket food and drink. And we're not talking just one drink. Like you're going to have, where <laughs> you're having wine poured all night long. There's plenty of food on the table to go around. Like you'll leave full bellied, happy hearted. Rachel is a professional photographer. So she takes these beautiful, very real headshots. None of this like cross your arms and yeah, she's at the in camera. Your blue suit. Exactly. These are like those beautiful, more intimate, raw moments. And we only have about 30 women in the room. So you're talking with everyone and it's not surface level conversation. Like we really want people to join us that have something to say and they feel ready to say it. They okay. Feel, they feel their purpose. They can find it there. 
So then with this moves us into your third area of business, which is this femme. Yeah. And I have a this femme t-shirt that I wear. And every time I wear it, people <laughs> ask me about it. They're like, oh, that's cool. Where'd you get it? What is it? What Feist? inspired you? <laughs> yes. Yep, yep. Uh, what is this femme and what inspired you to start that company? So I really, truly think that equality is a no-brainer. And I think it's pretty disappointing that it's 2019 and we still have to have conversations around why equality is an important thing. And can I just be clear? Like, I love my husband and he's great, but conversations with enlightened men. Yes. Like people in our sphere, our spouses, our friends, our friends' husbands. It isn't just like this idea. I mean, it's sort of like people think, well, yeah, it's... 2020 women have as many rights as men like uh, sort of right and in the execution totally it's different than in what this what we say it's it's exactly it which is why i think that whole brett kavanaugh scene mm-hmm. of him being appointed to the supreme court whether you were for or against him being appointed it was such a scene it was so emotional it brought up so much baggage for so many women outside of whether he did or didn't do what he was being accused of doing, it just brought up this idea of that we are still lacking equality, still not being believed, still not being heard. And I can't tell you how many conversations I had with my husband and man friends of mine where they're just like, come on, women are making as much as men. You're all going to college. Like white men are falling behind right. people of color. I'm like, Oh, the poor white man. <laughs> I, I, and I'm like, I just don't have it for you. Yeah. I, I, and trying to explain what the patriarchy is. And then to be fair, I've had the same talks and the same experiences as not being a person of color. So what is white privilege? Right. And how, because I'm a white woman, I don't even know about my white privilege, let alone white privilege of a man. So it's, it's been a very interesting last 18 months, I would say. Right. So that sort of is the backdrop, I feel like, for starting this femme. Totally. That's exactly it. I think love what you said about having conversations because there is a very particular image that um, a very particular stereotype that people think of when they hear the word feminist. For sure. They think of an angry woman with hairy armpits and legs and her fist is raised and she's screaming at every man ever and she's a man hater. It's this very angry image that pops up. And, you know, the only reason I don't shave my legs and armpits is because I'm lazy. Like, <laughs> it has nothing to do with my belief in equality whatsoever. Um, and so what I really wanted this femme to represent is the myriad, the full spectrum of human beings that have every right and should be a feminist. You're going to have people on the end of the spectrum that completely align with what I just described, an angry man-hating woman. Because I don't know if you've noticed this, but inequality totally blows. It's enraging. So that anger can 100% live. However, there is also this full spectrum of other humans that also believe in equal rights, not just between men and women or non-binary identifying people, but of different races or ethnicities or uh, any religious beliefs, any of those things that make us different, unique, and beautiful human beings. There's a whole spectrum of people who believe in equality, and maybe they don't identify with that angry woman. Hey, great. If you think that men and women should be treated equal, really, let's take it up a notch. If you think human beings should be treated equally, ding, 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 you're a feminist. And we had these peaceful conversations with people that was kind of like this eye-opening, like, oh, okay, I kind of get that. And to me, 
getting everyone on that spectrum on board, that's where progress happens. It's not just one side of the spectrum. It's everyone coming together to say like, oh yeah, I get that. And I can help support that too. I was a terrible 80s um, working woman too. And I'll tell you why. Okay. And it's taken me a long time. I'm 50 and it's taken me that long to get to this because I worked from 13 years old on. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to be a working woman. I saw myself as a working woman. When there was a seat at the boardroom, I felt like I was going to earn that seat just like the man next to me. Yep. So what that bred in me was this idea that nobody, even because I was a woman, could hold me back Mm -hmm. or was going to hold me down. And that was my mantra. So I thought, I'm not Gloria Steinem. I'm not these ladies in the 70s. While I respect the fact that they paved the way. Totally. We are making our own seats now, and we don't need these this moniker of quote-unquote feminism Mm -hmm. in order to feel like we have a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. And then we get into the 90s, and... You know, you're starting to have children and you're realizing that if you take a day off to take care of your sick child, it's like expected that you'll be the one who stays home when your husband also works. And if he stays home, the women at his office are like mean to him because he didn't stand up to his wife and tell her that she should be the one to stay home. What a terrible wife you have. (laughs) Yeah. And that you realize when you start to look at pay equity that you're not making the same as the guy next to you is. And why aren't you? And looking at the way you're treated in the workplace and working at the just kind of general bullshit you had to put up with and realizing that here we are still in the year 2020. And while we've made a lot of strides, we're still not getting paid the same amount as men. We're still not represented in corporate boardrooms or corporate America. The uh, general prevailing idea of many men is like, well, you know, women stay home and have the children. So therefore, right. they're not able to like make the same as a man who's just continually working in his career. Right. And I just like, really, I wish you could have the child. Right. I just do. I wish you could have had a baby. Right. And by the way, since when does America not value having a family and someone has to take care of that child. Someone has to literally have the baby. Right. Like we can just say that it's nothing, but it's not nothing. There's differences, but there's also opportunities and we haven't come that far. No. And And that's just women. Like if we talk about people of color, if we talk about transgender, if we talk about immigrants, yes. Like we're still here. It's so infuriating. That's exactly that's exactly how I felt. And and to me, equality has been overly politicized in a way that is eliminating a huge group of people that feel like it's just this uber left, um, you know, movement that feels just radical, you know, and really it's just about making sure that the opportunity is there for everyone. And I do believe, you know, I'll be honest when there's a lot of overtly religious overtones to something. I'm pretty liberal. So my first reaction is like, Oh, but I'm like trying to recognize that if I'm going to have equality for my type of people, then we probably need to have equality for your type of people. And while your type of people might not be the people I want to have over to my house for dinner, right? You do get rights. Right. And Like if we can just decide that everybody just as a sheer existence as a human deserves to be respected, treated fairly, um, that would be a really far place to get to. It seems like such a simple concept, but we've, we've gotten to this point where disagreement is bad. 
And it doesn't have to be. I mean, you hear like, oh, you know, we're working, you know, Congress. Oh, my friends across the aisle. And it's just like riddled with sarcasm. And there's nothing wrong with having two very different opinions. Like we should have different opinions on things. What has happened is we do not as a society know how to have intelligent conversations that allow us to communicate our beliefs, our opinions, our ethics, whatever it may be, well with someone who disagrees with us. And then when the disagreement happens, like shit hits the fan. Yeah, it's you, real personal, it's real so per- fast. Like, hello, and why can't tribal. you just... It's so deep-rooted. That work needs to be done so badly. There's nothing wrong with having a, a disagreeing with someone. We just need to be able to do it well and say, hey, cool, Stephanie, I don't agree with that. You know, thank you so much for this conversation. I hope you have a great day. Bye. Like, And I do think that that's where the magic happens. Like, I agree. That's that place is where I might open my viewpoint about something. Totally. That place is where I might be like, huh, I never thought about it like that. And you don't have to believe it. You, you can say, I never thought of it like that. I still, you know, reside in my beliefs, but hmm, that's really interesting. You know, thank you for sharing that. And even if you like have a belief, like this is kind of a different subject, but a friend of mine, she has a group of friends and one of the friends is involved with a married man okay. and it's causing a lot of upset in the group. Right. And you know, I don't know why, but for me, I'm always like, well, there's a reason that that's happening. Like you're not fulfilled in your marriage or that marriage isn't working for you anymore. Now, is that my chosen way of going about right. this path? Right. No, but I'm not just going to judge this person right. and get on my moral soapbox because right. I don't know what her marriage is like. I don't know what needs are getting filled there. And 50% of the population's had affairs, both men and women. So let's not pretend right. that this isn't happening with right. more people than anyone's talking about. Right. So instead of just being so judgmental about that relationship and about that person, how could we help them like get through it or get to the other side? Either they're supposed to not be in the marriage they're in, right. or they're going to deepen the marriage they're in because they're going to have figured out, you know what? this way of not of getting my needs met is violating my marriage, but I'm going to stay in it and I'm going to work through it. Both things can happen. And there's like the idea of, and what is it that you can be two things at once? Yeah, totally. Right. That's a hard thing to get your mind around. And until you do, yes, like you can be a good person and having an affair. Yes, there are. It's, I just, I wonder, you know, what would happen if we paused and listened And instead of preparing what we're going to say next, I think, which is very normal, um, what if we just listened and and heard what our neighbors were saying? And again, you don't have to agree on it, but let's just let that judgment go. Let's try to have more productive conversations. Like, to me, that's the work. When people talk about doing the work, whether it's in your marriage or in your business or, or whatever that is, like the work, digging in, reflecting, really learning and growing, like. Just imagine if collectively we tried that as a society. What shift could happen? This femme expresses itself in merchandise, T-shirts, buttons, hats. Yeah. Could it be more than that? Like, have you thought about, could it be workshops? Could it be social justice? Could it be equity? Um, Yes, I would love. It's such a passion project of mine. It's definitely my side hustle. You know, this time in the Mary Hour ITs are like my side hustles and SarahSchultz.co is my core income maker and and the business I'm nurturing the most, to be completely honest, as far as time, energy, mm-hmm. efforts go. Um, 
I think that this femme has a very cool opportunity to do a lot more in the community than just schlep apparel. I think what it'll come down to is time and resources as I'm able to invest and grow enough to bring a team to help me do the things. Because the point isn't selling merchandise. Like That is just a conversation starter. Like you said, people see it and they pause. And do you have the black on black? I I have a gray gray with white. Oh, that white with tank. That's right. So we launched originally the the print was black and the shirt was black and I did that on purpose I want people to pause and look at the shirt and be like okay one what does that say uh, because it's obviously it's creative with the state of Minnesota it's, yeah. so it's you know it makes you pause and think for a second um, but two we do need to pause and think why are we still having these conversations and so the the apparel was just a means of doing that Um, we've hosted a lot of very successful events in the community and I love creating space for those conversations. So yes, I would love to continue to nourish the business in that way. It's just, you know, every serial entrepreneur feels it like, what am I going to do today? Where does the time go today? And how do I keep everything afloat about, I mean, if you are, if you're in a business to make money and to pay your bills and to provide the lifestyle that you want to live, you've got to, you've got to do that. Totally. And then these other things are fun yep. and they might be great ideas. Right. They might be fantastic ideas that sooner or later you'll be able to spend some time in. But I think that's okay too. Like everybody's always like makers of Minnesota, you should be doing more. Like you should be doing this. You should be doing oh, that. Everyone has opinions on what you should be doing. With your yeah. Business. <laughs> and I, I respect those opinions and right. I'm open to them and maybe someday I'll pursue some of that. But right now, I'm enjoying where I'm at and it's fun to right. just talk to people and hear about the cool stuff they're doing. And maybe I'm making space for either a someone else to do this work down the road, inviting someone in to help me and make more of it. And I get to do what I do best and someone could help me do other parts of it. I don't right. know, but I'm open. Right. And I think that, um, I think that's where the most successful entrepreneurs and business owners come from that you're, you're willing and open and able to evolve again as needs shift. And yeah, just be... how many careers do you think you've had already? Yeah. So this, I mean, including these businesses, this is like five. And you're a young woman. So how I'll many be 30, will you have? Yeah, I'll be 33 next month. So, so you've probably got 10 more. Think about that. Right. And that's exciting to me. Like, man, I love that idea that the 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 road in front of me I've never picked the easy path I just I love that uh, adventure and and anything I'm doing and so that does not fill me with fear that fills me with just this like utter excitement of oh hell yeah what's next what else can I conquer what else can I go get after and hopefully along the way really inspire somebody else to do the same all right well it's been great talking to you Sarah thanks for having me people are interested in your design skills it's sarahschultz.co if they're interested in the merry hour they can find it at the merryhour.com merryhour.co okay co we love co's yep we love co's to be completely honest they're less expensive than dot com (laughs) they are (laughs) and kind of more stylized yep it is and a lot of the dot coms have already been taken or they're being they're being held to forbidding wars and so lots of new startups are switching over to dot co yeah i like it thanks and then this femme you can find merchandise thisfemme.com okay i got that one dot com (laughs) (laughs) all right thanks sarah hey thank you